this is the part of our Sunday gathering. If you are new here, we take time to read from the Bible and allow it to speak to our hearts. So what we do is we read the Bible together and uh, we, are, we ask that God will uh, speak to our hearts. So I'm going to read from Luke chapter 5 verses 1 to 11 and, uh, and then we are going to take time to read through it. We're going to pray and ask God to speak to our hearts. Luke chapter 5 verses 1 to 11. If you don't have a Bible, it's up on the screen behind me. Feel free to follow there. And uh, we'll pray and close after that. This is what the Bible says in Luke chapter 5, starting from verse 1. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. And he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them. Sorry, could you go back? But the fishermen had gone out of them, verse 2, The fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Verse 3. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let your nets for a catch. Let down your nets for a catch. Verse 5. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. Actually, we'll, tell, we'll pause there for now, and then we will come back if needed um, and read the rest. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for your word. Today we invite you, Holy Spirit, to speak to our hearts. And allow these words to become real and alive to us. We thank you that your word does not return to you void. It accomplished the purpose for it to send and it prospers in it. So prosper the word of God this morning. Speak to our hearts, we pray. Thank you that you are kind and you are a promise-keeping God. You are faithful to your word. In Jesus' name, amen. It's a short story that we've read this morning, and um, if you look at verse 1, it says that uh, some uh, Jesus was kind of preaching to a crowd, and um, two boats were by the lake, but look what the fishermen were doing. They had gone out all night, and um, they were washing the nets because, um, you know, they were kind of cleaning up, clearing up, if you like. Um, hands up if you like doing dishes. What is wrong with you? Um, I'm joking. I, some people love doing that. Some people love, um, love, love things like that, and I will never get it, but that's okay. These people were washing their nets, and can you imagine how demoralizing it must have been? Because Simon, one of the guys, is like, we've been fishing all night, and we caught nothing. And um, so... Basically, they're not washing because they've caught a few fish and they're trying to wash the fish off the nets. They've caught nothing. So they're just kind of washing maybe the salt water or the dirt. I don't know what fishermen do when they wash their nets, but they're kind of there doing that. And Jesus says, can I borrow your boats? And so they say, sure. So Jesus takes the boats out and he gets into the boat and uses it kind of as a platform to stand and speak to this large crowd. And so 
after uh, he finishes his talk, the Bible says he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And uh, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put your nets out into the deep and let your nets down for a catch. So Simon says, listen, we toiled all night and we took nothing, but at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they uh, enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. Now let's read the rest of the story. When this happens, they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. And he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. So also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. So I want you to notice that this miracle happened not after the disciples had made a decision to follow him. This, this, this miracle happens before Simon and his friends, James and John, uh, had decided to follow him. So they were not necessarily, if you like, full of faith. They were not necessarily passionate about Jesus. In fact, they didn't really know much about him. Uh, and when they see this incredible catch of fish, it, it is at that moment according to the story, that they make a decision, they repent, says, go away from me, I'm a sinful man. He realizes, Simon realizes he's a sinner, he needs saving. Jesus assures him and says, don't be afraid, from now on I'm going to make sure you're going to not just catch fish, you're going to catch people. And, uh, and when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. So this entire miracle happens not after they have made a decision to follow him. This entire miracle happens before they make a decision to follow Jesus. And uh, it's interesting because uh, many times we think miracles only happen to Jesus' followers. I want you to know that the greatest miracle is that Jesus reached out to you when you didn't even know him. Jesus found you when you couldn't find him. Jesus reached out to touch you uh, when you couldn't touch him. Jesus connected with you when you couldn't connect with him. And why is that important for us to remember? It is important for us to remember that because after you become a follower of Jesus Christ, many times one of the deceptions we can fall into is that we feel now that it was all his work to connect with us, we need to somehow do everything we can to keep connecting with God. And if at any point we, miss, we, we don't do our part in connecting with him, somehow we will lose on the miracle or lose the favor of God or lose the grace of God. I want to assure you this morning, my Jesus said, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. His commitment towards you does not depend on your commitment towards him. The cross of Jesus Christ is proof that God does not treat you the way you treat him. The cross of Jesus Christ is proof that God does not give to you the way you give to him. The cross of Jesus Christ is proof that God is kind because of who he is and his nature. And he, he, he wants to give to us today regardless of where we are. And the greatest miracle is when we begin to realize that in spite of our sin, in spite of our weaknesses, in spite of all that we feel or do not feel, the God of the Bible, the God of the universe wants to reach out and connect with you today. If you have walked in here this morning and you just don't feel the connection with God like you used to, or you don't feel the connection 
with God compared to the person that's sitting next to you. You just feel like, what's happened to me? I just feel like there's a connection missing. I want to give you good news. God wants to connect with you. God wants to reach out to you. God wants to encounter you with his love and his power because he is still in the business of doing miracles, not just because of our faith, because our faith obviously produces miracles, but there is a there is another dimension that produces the miraculous of God, and that is his nature. How many of you are glad that God's actions towards you, God's words towards you, God's thoughts towards you are not dependent on your performance. They're dependent on how gracious and how kind God is. Come on, give Jesus praise for his kindness towards us that reached us when we were still sinners. Jesus reaches out to him and uh, they're demoralized. They, can you imagine what it's like kind of... Um, Working all night, toiling all night. We have a, we have a seven-year-old and a two-year-old, and um, sometimes it feels like that when when we maybe take effort to clean the whole living room, and it lasts all about forty-five seconds before it's back to how it was again. Because you put all of this effort into it, and you think, what do I have to show for it? What what is it that I have to show for all of the effort that we've put in. Especially in churches like ours, which are churches that, you know, there's a, there's a label if you want to, if you want one. We, we call ourselves Pentecostals. And what that means is we not only believe that the, that the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit was relevant for when Jesus was on earth. We believe that God the Holy Spirit lives in us. And wants to manifest his power and his gifts in us. Especially for people who believe all of that. We sometimes think that grieving or grief is just when somebody dies. But can I encourage you to be open to the possibility that maybe you are grieving today not because somebody has died. Maybe you're grieving today because a friendship has ended. Maybe you're grieving today because something that you thought you were going to achieve didn't materialize. Maybe you're grieving today because a business you invested in did not return the yield that you thought it would. Maybe you're grieving today because certain people you thought were going to act or behave a certain way no longer act and behave a certain way. Maybe you're grieving today because sometimes, like all of us, you're a control freak and you're not able to control all of the variables in your world and you're saying, man, this is, there is a sorrow. And sometimes the reason I say that is because many times us Pentecostals who make a lot of noise and we shout and we praise and we thank Jesus and and, uh, and uh, if you don't know what's on the inside of us, you'll not be able to understand. Uh, you just look on the outside and go, man, these guys are crazy. Why? What on earth is what on earth is this? You think all of this is a show, but if you knew where God brought us from, and if you knew all the goodness of God towards our lives, you would understand the shout that would come out of our mouths because we are not here because we were strong or able, but God with a mighty hand has sustained us and kept us, and we are grateful that God has done all that for us. But when we know that God's joy is our strength, we sometimes don't give ourselves space to grieve because we think, why is it that I have Jesus in me and yet I feel sad sometimes? Why is it that I feel Jesus in me yet I feel like, oh man, I feel a bit deflated, I feel a bit flat, I feel 
I feel like something is lost. And these guys were probably feeling that. They've worked all night trying to fish. And they've caught nothing. You know, they're not, they're not going fishing because it's a hobby, by the way. That was their career. In other words, if they don't fish, they either don't have food or they don't have the income that would have come from the fishing that night. So this is not just a hobby. This is not just, oh man, we went out fishing and we caught nothing, don't worry. No, this is how they fed their families. This is how they, they looked after their homes. This is how they fed their children. This is how they, they got clothes. This is how they traded. So when you, when you put all of that effort and you find no return, it can get demoralizing. It can feel like you've, you've done something wrong. Some of you are grieving because... You're questioning your judgment. Anyone has ever done that? You kind of were so sure and you, you made a call on something and it didn't turn out the way it did. And then you're questioning your judgment going, gosh, uh, I'm not too sure I can make a call on this anymore. Some of you are grieving because you have to release who you once were. You have to release who you once were. You know, this month, um, May is my birthday month. The fact is, I'll never go back to how old I was last year. I have to release that, you know. And some of us are just holding on to the fact that we are in our 20s when we're no longer in our 20s, you know. And some of us are holding on to the fact that we're in our teens and, uh, you know, your teenage life was a long time ago. And some of you just need to, to be aware of that. Some of you are holding on to, to those people who left you, those memories of who was with you. And some of you are holding on to a life that once existed. And you're living in denial because the whole world has moved on. And you kind of just sit with your own thoughts and reminisce about those moments. And you say, those were the good old days. Um, the Bible uh, it says this, Solomon, arguably one of the, the wisest people on earth, uh, according to the Bible, said these words. He said, do not say that the former times were better than these, for it is not from wisdom that you speak. Do not say that the former times were better than these, for it is not from wisdom that you speak. That means there is a lack of wisdom on our part every time we live in the memory of the good old days. Not my opinion, the opinion of the Bible. So when you're confronted with the opinion like that, what is it that you have to be aware of? Okay, let me bring it close to us pastors. I meet pastors who say, oh, one day we will go back to the days of the Welsh Revival. One day we will go back to the days of Smith Wigglesworth. One day we will go back to the days of the Wesleyan Revival. Here's a news flash. We will never go back there. God is doing something new. You can do something. You can do all the praying you want. God is not taking you back to the good old days. Why? Because God does not need to recycle a moment and recycle a movement because God is infinitely big. He can create something new and he's a God who does something new all the time. And some of you are grieving because you are trying to release who you once were. You had dreams when you were young. You had dreams when you just got married. You had dreams when you were first a parent and you had an idea or an ideology or a a thought of this is how my life is going to be. This is what the next five years are going to look like. This is what the next 10 years are going to look like. But it turned out that it didn't look like that. And so you have to release who you were. And when you begin to release who you were, 
it becomes it becomes a grieving process. You can imagine this, these guys they they had a plan, man. You know these guys um, they were friends, probably fishing together. James and John and Peter. Imagine all of them leaving home, going to the lake, saying, "Hey, I wonder who you're gonna catch today. I wonder what you're gonna catch today. I wonder how big the fish you're gonna catch today. I wonder how many we're gonna catch today." They all had plans. They had aspirations. They had they had ideas. Nobody goes into a business thinking, "I can't wait for the day I'm broke." Nobody goes into a marriage thinking, I can't wait for the day I'm divorced. Nobody goes into any plan thinking, I can't wait for this plan to fail. Nobody ever starts a race thinking, I can't wait to come last. Nobody ever starts something new hoping for the worst. They start something new because there's hopes, there's aspirations, there's dreams, there's desires, there's prophecies, there's plans, there's things that you think are going to accomplish. But sometimes you just come like this uh, person, Simon, and go, man, we fished all night and we have caught nothing. I wonder whether you are uh, avoiding the grief that you are feeling in you because you think, man, I'm a child of God and I'm not supposed to feel this way. Why am I feeling this way? I made a commitment. Everybody saw me making commitments. Everybody saw me getting baptized here. Everybody saw me making a decision to follow Jesus. But today I feel incredibly sad. And why is it that I feel sad? Why is it I feel like something is lost within me? And sometimes... Um, we can feel grief because we, we feel lost and unanchored. In other words, we, we don't know what to do next. What, what, is, what is plan B if plan A hasn't worked out? It's one thing to say, hey, I'm letting go of plan A. But if you don't know what plan B is, that can feel deflating. What does it feel like washing your nets after an entire night of trying to catch fish? And you think, what's the plan now? Well, you've lost sleep. You've lost a lot of energy. You've worked all night, you've used your nets, and you have nothing to show for it. What do you do when you have poured in your effort into a relationship, and you pour it in, and you pour it in, and you pour it in, and you think, man, what do I have to show for it? There's nothing that seems to be coming back, and you have to be honest about the fact that even as a child of God, sometimes you have to go through grief and through the disappointments that you once felt. Sometimes... um, you know, the grief is because you lose traditions that you once loved. You, you lose how things used to be a, a certain way, how, 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 how you used to know it and how you used to uh, like it and how you used to remember it. And sometimes we have to get over that. And uh, especially for people like me who are immigrants to this country, I remember thinking one of the first things God told me is he said, you cannot impact a nation you do not love. You cannot impact a nation if your body is here and your heart is elsewhere. You cannot bring change here if you're not grounded here. And many people can say, oh man, my body is here, but my heart isn't. My body is here and my heart isn't. Listen, if this is the plan of God for your life, this is what the Bible says, that everybody that is planted in the house of God will flourish. So God's plan for you is to make you flourish regardless of what location you are. But that can involve a grieving process. I remember having to let go of my previous church and come to this church and because that involved a lot of relationships involved lots of people i had done journeys with and life with and ministry with and friendship with and sometimes god moves us on and you think man if only i could just hold on to the traditions and the culture and the things that i was familiar with because as human beings we love familiarity we love the known we hate the unknown how many of you get frustrated when you walk into the supermarket and the tea bags are not where it used to be come on now That's me going, why did they have to change it? It always was here. 
and now I come to the same place and they've decided to replace tea bags with chocolates. Why would they do that? It's just, it's just human nature. We are so used to having things our way and sometimes when those traditions slip our way, it can cause us grief. Jesus speaks to these guys who are washing nets and um, they're disappointed because they haven't caught anything at night. They say, can I borrow your boats, boys? Um, I just want to speak to a few people. So he puts the boat out and he sits there and speaking. So they're probably not even paying attention to, to what Jesus is speaking. And after that, he says to Simon, um, look at verse 4. I want you to put your net out to the deep. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he put, it, he put out a little from the land. He sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep. And let down your nets for a catch. Look at Simon's response in verse 5. Simon says, Master, we toiled all night and we got nothing. But, or one version says, nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the nets. I want to talk to you today about the possibility of healing from grieving by submitting. Healing from grieving by submitting. That looks like a phenomenal word of faith. Nevertheless, that's your word. But we read in the story that these guys were not even followers of Jesus Christ yet. They didn't know what faith was like we know it. They were not, definitely not filled with the Holy Spirit. Jesus had not yet died on the cross. They were Jewish men who perhaps were aware of a few Jewish customs, certainly aware of at least the basic customs anyway. Where on earth did Simon get the courage to try again, to put down his net again. Where on earth did Simon get the, 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 the feeling, the leadership, the energy to, to try again? Because surely he should have said, man, thanks for your suggestions. I mean, we've been fishing all our lives. We know how this is done. We appreciate your concern, but we've tried and tried and tried and tried. We don't know exactly what Simon means by all night, most people assume it's between six to nine hours of fishing. Once you've tried six to nine hours and you've caught nothing and somebody comes alongside and says, um, come on, have another go. Do you know what I'll say? I'll say, I did not wash these nets for nothing. I hate doing nets. I hate washing up because if I have to do this again, I'm going to have to wash up again. And I don't want to do all of that only to go through the whole washing up process again. But Jesus comes with a very specific instruction. Put down your nets. See, I'm a great believer in getting therapy. I think therapy can heal us. I'm a great believer in getting prayer. I believe prayer can heal us. I'm a great believer in, um, in having community because I believe community can heal us. But there's a dimension of healing you will never discover until you start obeying. There's a dimension of healing you will never walk in unless you start yielding. There's a dimension of the grace of God you will never enjoy until your life begins to surrender to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. I have always found it easy to call Jesus my Savior because he put his love on the line and he saved me. And I needed saving. I had to put my hands out and say, please rescue me. But it's difficult sometimes to call him my Lord. Because Lordship means 
I surrender all my desires. I surrender all my wants. I surrender how I want it. I have to let go of who I was. I have to let go of the traditions that I know. I have to let go of the expertise that I think I have. I've got to let go of the fact that the person that's talking to me is not even a fisherman. I should know how this happens. I should know how this works. Lordship means we have to yield and submit to Jesus' words even when we don't feel like it and it doesn't make sense. And can I encourage you? What if part of your healing has to come through you obeying? Obeying. One of my friends who is a pastor and an overseer of a few churches said this to me once and I'll never forget it. He said to me, Sujit, I want you to know Jesus Christ is not a politician to be negotiated with. He is the king of kings to be obeyed. I'll never forget it. He is not a politician to be negotiated with. He is a king of kings to be obeyed. And we can't do that because there's some law or there's some pressure religiously that is put on you to make sure you obey. No, this has to be a response to the fact that you are so aware that he is a good God and he has nothing but good intentions in his heart. So you respond by saying, Lord, I trust you even when it doesn't make sense. Once you become a follower of Jesus Christ, one of the things we do or we encourage or the Bible commands us to do is to get baptized. I'll never forget one day when I was trying to explain that to somebody in this church. They had come to this church, they had given their life to Jesus, and they found out or they heard that the next step is for people to get baptized. So they said, can I make an appointment with you? Because I have a a million questions I want to know the how, the why, the what, the where, the then, the how. And, and the, the list of questions were as long as, he said, he said can you, when, when we have the appointment, can, can it be quite a long one? Because I don't want a, a short one where you give me a short. I said, no problem. I'll answer all the questions as best as I can. So I sat down with her and I said, okay, let me just take you through all of the scripture that, uh, that pertains to getting baptized. And so I started in this place. I said, um, See, I started with Jesus' baptism um, where Jesus himself comes to John and John says, why are you coming to me? You should be baptizing me. And Jesus says, no, no, no. Why don't, why don't you baptize me so, so that we can fulfill all righteousness? And this lady said to me, stop. I said, stop. I said, all my questions are gone. All my questions are gone. I said, no, I said, I've got plenty of notes. I've got plenty of verses. I've got plenty of things to show you. She said, no. She said, if Jesus does it and he commands it, who am I to say any different? I understood in that moment that this person had had a revelation, not just as Jesus' savior, that she had a revelation of Jesus as Lord. Of Jesus as Lord. You know how you know when you've had a revelation of Jesus as Lord, you're quick to say yes. You're quick to obey. You're quick to go, God, not my will, your will. Not my word, your word. Not my plan, your plan. I thought I had all these plans. I thought I had all these ideas. I thought I was going to go fish all night. I had plans on what to do with that fish and what to sell it and make curry out of it. And make sure it's barbecued. Make sure I sell some and give some to my kids. He had all these plans. You're now telling me to do this. I want to obey you. What if there is a part of your life that needs to be healed from grieving, healed from disappointment? What if there's a part of your life that has to be infused with faith and he's waiting on you to obey the last instruction he's told you and unless you walk in submission to obedience of our lord and savior jesus christ there is a dimension of grace and healing you will never walk in without knowing that and that's why every 
time we come together, we take time to bring our tithes and our offerings to God. The practice of tithing predates the law. It's in the law. It's after the law. In fact, it's even recorded in the book of Hebrews that the Jewish church tithed even after the the, the, the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. Many people say, well, I don't believe in tithing. I believe in radical generosity because Jesus gave it all. Such people usually never give above 10% because they're just using it as an excuse not to give. But the Bible says that we have to bring our tithes. That is one example where we have to bring our obedience to God. And it doesn't quite make sense. It doesn't quite make sense why you would want to put Jesus first instead of your bills. It doesn't make quite doesn't make sense why you would want to put Jesus first before your own needs. But it's one of those times where you have to decide, am I going to obey or not? Because the lordship of Jesus Christ means there, are, there is only one throne and you cannot always co- co-occupy that throne with Jesus and say, some days, Jesus, you're going to have it your way. Some days, I'm going to have it my way. This day, I'm going to let you lead and I will follow. And today, I'm going to lead and you're going to follow. It doesn't work like that. Jesus Christ is not just Savior, but He is the Lord of Lords. And if He is the Lord of Lords, it requires you and I to go. I let go of who I am. I let go of my experience. I let go of my tradition. I let go of what I know. I let go of what is convenient. I let go of my feelings. I let go of my preferences. I let go of my priorities. Jesus said it. I need to respond and I need to obey. And there is a grace that God wants to give to people who will put their hands up and say, God, you lead and I will follow. And it doesn't matter what are the consequences. Whatever you say, I will do. And today the Holy Spirit is calling out to people who will surrender their hearts, yield their will, put their priorities second to say, Jesus, you are first. You have been first. You will be first. And you will always be first in my life. I wonder if there's anybody that can respond to the tug of the Holy Spirit on your heart that says, will you follow me? Will you obey me? Will you take me at my word in spite of what you know? In spite of the fact that you have years of experience as a fisherman? Will you trust my word and follow my leading? For those who can do that, I believe there is a future. There is a grace. There is a power. There is an anointing. There is an authority that is waiting for you on the other side of your obedience that you have not yet experienced. And the Holy Spirit today is inviting you into a world of obedience and surrender. And obedience and surrender. Master, nevertheless, at your word, I'll do it. The Bible says they caught so many fish that their nets were beginning to break. They called the other lads in the other boats and said, hey, please come help us. The Bible says they were amazed at the catch. And he said, Master, go away from me, for I'm a sinful man. He says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be catching men. You'll be catching people. From now on, I'm going to make you a person that will introduce heaven on earth. Heaven on earth. Peter went on to become the first pastor of the first church in all the world in in Jerusalem. And it's amazing, isn't it, that Jesus picked not the most gifted one, not the one who had no faults, not the one who didn't sin, not the one who didn't deny Jesus, because this bloke went on to do that. But he picked a guy who had reverence for the word of God, who had respect 
for the word of God. The Bible says this, blessed is he who trembles at my word. Blessed is he who trembles at my word. My friends, I don't know what it is that you're grieving and disappointed over today. But I believe that today the Holy Spirit is here to give you the grace to say yes to the instructions of God. You may have invested something in a business, in a relationship. You may have had a plan, an idea, and you're looking at it and going, oh man, all is lost. And the last thing you want to do is go back fishing after you've cleaned your nets. That is so inconvenient. That is so inconvenient. But there are some of you, a select some, who have understood that Jesus is not a politician to be negotiated with, but he is a Lord of Lords to be obeyed. And today the Holy Spirit asks you, who is Jesus to you? Is he just a savior that you kind of come and kind of slot into your convenient world? You, you love church and so you come and have community. Hey, listen, even if you think, I just want Jesus to be my savior, but I want to live my life, please come back next week. We're not against you. You belong here. This is home. But there is a dimension of grace you're missing out on. A dimension of power you're missing out on. He receives the call to become an apostle. He receives the call to become a leader in the church. Because Jesus releases a new season. Not always after a season of prayer. Jesus releases a new season. Not always after a season of prayer alone or prayer with community. Sometimes that happens. But sometimes a new season is released through radical surrender, radical obedience, putting Jesus first. I wonder if God wants to heal your grieving through yielding. I wonder if Jesus wants to cause you to say yes to him by surrendering your heart and say, it doesn't make sense, but I trust you. Do you know how I know he was healed? Look at verse, look at the last verse that we read. Was it verse 10? Can we put that up? Don't be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. Verse 11. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. They left everything. They left everything. They left everything. Surely, after a miracle like that, they should be saying, that's amazing. I can't wait to get some new nets and go out tomorrow because those nets are now torn. I wonder if you're washing something that's going to be torn anyway. I wonder if you're maintaining something that's not meant to be part of your life anyway. I wonder if you're fixing something that will never be used anyway. I wonder if you're pouring energy into a habit, into a relationship, into things that, will nev- that are not meant to be part of your future. Sometimes we wash nets thinking we're going to use it again. But God is calling us to leave those nets behind. You do not have to waste another day of your life, more time, more energy, more money, in relationships, in circles, with projects, with ideas and ideologies. And you're trying to wash your nets. But the will of God is for those nets to tear anyway. Because he has put something much better for you. You see, when the miracle happened, it did not revive Peter's desire for fishing It revived Peter's desire for Jesus. When the miracle happened, it put in him a fire to say, I will follow Jesus 
at all costs. And that's really when you know whether you're choosing the miracle or chasing the miracle or chasing the miracle worker. Whether you're chasing an encounter or the provider of the encounter. Whether you're choosing an experience or you're choosing the person that gave you the experience in the first place. Because many of us finish a moment like that. And because our hearts are not yielded to him, we were on the receiving end of an encounter and a miracle. And we're now disappointed because we're waiting for the next one. We're waiting for the next one. Where's the next miracle going to come from? Where's the next encounter going to come from? Where is the next, 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 next moment I'm going to go, wow, look what God's done with my life. My friends, we're not called to chase encounters or fishing nets. We're called to follow Jesus. And today I want to encourage you to make it a decision to follow Jesus. For a moment of concentration and privacy, I'm going to pray in a moment. I'm going to ask you to talk to the Holy Spirit right now. What is it that you are maintaining that God wants to tear? What is it that you're pouring life into that is not going to last anyway? What is it that you're holding on to in this season that's not going to be part of your next season? Many things that are part of your current season need not come into your next season. And you know that. And you know that very well, but you're trying to hold on to those nets, cleaning those nets, trying to to, to repair those nets, trying to maintain those nets because you know you want to keep fishing. But, But Jesus comes in his lordship and says, will you obey me? Will you follow me? Will you leaving all trust me? Father, today we pray that Holy Spirit, right now you will speak to our hearts of where it is that you're causing us to follow. Hey, I am so confident, so confident that right now God wants to speak to you. I'm so confident that right now God wants to speak to you. Why don't you talk to God? Why don't you hand over your grief, your disappointment, what you're trying to be, holding on to, the traditions. You know the time has passed, but you're still holding on. You're repairing a net you will never use again. You're pouring energy into a relationship that is not meant to be in the next season again. You're pouring time and energy into something that God has told you to let go of. There is no law or pressure or religious duty to do this. But you have to make a decision. Do you follow Jesus or not? Time to get off the fence and make a decision. Do you want to follow Jesus or not? Time to make a decision. Is he just your savior or is he also your Lord? Time to make a decision. Are you going to put God first in your emotions, in your relationships? Are you going to put God first in your finance by honoring Him with the first fruits and the tithes of your income? Time to make a decision. Are you going to get baptized because you've made a decision to follow Jesus? Time to make a decision. Today, the grace of God is available to yield to the Word of God. The grace of God is available to yield and surrender to the word of God.
Today, the grace of God is available for you to yield and surrender to the word of God. Talk to God and he will tell you. It might be an impression. It might be a picture. It might be a thought. It might be an idea. But when it comes, don't second guess it because his presence is here and he is in you and he will not deceive you. If you want to, this is what I'd like you to do next. Make a decision to share with someone you trust today. Text them and say, this is what I feel God is telling me to do. I'm letting you know so you can check up on me to see if I've followed through. Text somebody today. Say, hey, I feel this is what God's telling me to do. And I'm just asking you to be my friend, to pray with me, to stand with me. Text another person who's a follower of Jesus Christ that you trust to say, I feel this is what God's telling me and I want to obey. Thirdly, I want you to talk to God. Say, God, nevertheless, at your word, you have my yes. Come on, tell him. If the Holy Spirit prompts you, tell him. Father, when you speak, you have my yes. God, when you lead, you have my yes. When you move, you have my yes. And number four, along with your yes, what is it that you need to let go of? Some of you need to let go of the nets. Some of you need to let go of friendships that have ended. Some of you need to let go of the communities that you've lost. Some of you need to let go of the certainty you once had. Some of you need to let go of the feeling of insecurity that has come with questioning your judgment. Some of you need to let go of releasing who you once were. Some of you need to let go of the feeling of lostness because you don't know what plan B is. Some of you need to let go of the traditions that you once loved. My friends, Jesus is worth it. 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 Trust him. 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 Peter had no idea. Simon had no idea what the future would look like, but he just trusted. And he went on to do amazing things. And here is how we're going to close. If you know that Jesus can be trusted because he is good, <laughs> he's not coming up to sneak up on you to steal your net. He doesn't need your net. But you trust him to say you are good. And you know the other side of this surrender, other side of this obedience, other side of this yielding is going to bring a healing, is going to bring an authority, and it's going to bring a grace, it's going to bring a ministry that you never thought possible. Why don't you receive that right now? Say, God, I don't know what's coming my way, but I receive all the good things that's on the other side of my obedience.
Friends, here we are in Bury St. Edmunds, thousands of years later, and we're still blessed by that one decision Simon made that day. I wonder how many people stand to benefit from your decision to obey Jesus today. Obey Jesus today. Obey Jesus today. Father, we say that we are grateful because you are a good God and we will trust you with all of our lives. Raise your hands for a blessing. May the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May you know in your heart that he is good and therefore you can trust him. May you let go of everything that is not needed in your next season. May you surrender everything that used to work in the previous season in order to embrace the new. May you make space for God so that he can lead you into a future you never even dreamt of or imagined. Now to him he is able to make all grace abound at all times. And to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly more than you can ever ask, think or imagine. May you be surprised at what God does with your life. Because you decided to say yes. In Jesus name. Amen. Give praise to Jesus because of his words. And you know that he is worthy of your obedience. Amen. Amen. Well thank you so much for being here at Beacon Church this morning. Remember to head over to the crash and collect your babies and toddlers. Beacon kids. Beacon youth finishes um, about 12.30 So if you want your children straight away, please head upstairs. But if you want to hang around, they'll come down at half past 12. Remember, uh, all of the announcements that we made in the life of the church, head to our website and uh, you will find more information. And if you are visiting with us, please, please, will you stop by our welcome booths before you make your way home? God bless you and have a fantastic week. Thanks.